Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by Black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone, so listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. We're back. I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And welcome to Black True Crime. If this is your first time here with the show, welcome and hello. Hey, what you say? Bring <laughs> okay. it back all the way. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> we're super excited to be here today. And the case that we have for you is, I mean, it's a doozy, but it's really fun somehow. Okay. Mm-hmm. But before we get started, we want to let you guys know, since we're going to pretend like you don't know already, we're going to be at True Crime Podcast Festival in August, the 26th through the 28th. Please come see us. Yes, we're going to be there. We're going to be live. We're going to be ready. It's Are in Dallas. Gonna we're going to be there. Yes, we're probably going to do like a little private thing for our listeners and we can hang out, take some shots, talk. So I'm excited. So fun. I know. Another thing, we're actually going to be interviewed this Sunday at 7 p.m. PST, which is Pacific time, by this amazing like podcaster. She's a radio host. She's so dope and super funny. Shout out to you, AJ. I know you're listening. Hey, girl. We're we're super excited about that. So it's going to be on live. You guys can come and just follow us on Instagram. We're going to be posting about it for the rest of the week. It'll be fun. So we're doing a lot of things, sis. We're getting a move on it. Mm -hmm. Things are happening. Well, are you ready to start? Let's begin. Okay. In 1995, there were two beautiful athletic sisters living in Scarborough, Toronto. One was 16, working a summer job and living her best life. And the other was 19 and preparing to start her college journey in the States. But evil would intervene because two days before one was meant to leave, both would unfortunately be gone forever. Join us as we discuss the heartbreaking murders of the Audie sisters. And thank you to listener Veronica for requesting this case. Hot dog it. It's sisters. I like these are my girls. We all crazy. We're kindred spirits already. And I haven't even told you anything about them yet. I don't even know anything. And I'm just feeling the pain. Well, prepare to continue to feel it. So. Marsha Audie was born in 1976. For some reason, their birthdays were just not as out there as they should have been, in my opinion. And, oh. her, and her sister, Tamara Audie, was born in 1979 in Scarborough, Toronto. Sister, what do you have for us well, in first, regards to black history? Thank you, sister. Mm-hmm. First, I just wanted to say they're gorgeous. They're yeah. cute. Adorous. Why do people back in the day always look so old when they were so young? We don't know. Weird. But anyway, back to black history. So, Mm -hmm. you guys, I have something very short and very sweet. I kind of wanted to blend the two years because just give it to you smack dab in the middle. In 1979, Toronto was actually the first municipality to celebrate Black History Month in February. Hell yeah! Period. Hey, Toronto. So, for those of you who don't know what municipality means, it basically is just a city or a town that has some working folk and a government. Right. Right. Period. So, Toronto was the first thing 
to actually say, hey, we want to celebrate Black History Month. We want this to be a national holiday. So thank you, Toronto. Love that for them. Now back to you. Oh, super cute and dainty. Okay, great. Well, thank you, sister, for that trip down history lane. So they're sisters. They were born in Scarborough. And the two girls were raised by their mother, Avis. I didn't really see too much about their dad, Mm -hmm. but their mom, Avis, she was right there with them. And they were all just like three peas in a pod. Kayla, stop. It's giving. They were best friends and I loved it. So according to Avis, Marsha was already running. Kristen, running at seven months. Just skip, skip the whole fucking walk. Okay. And it was to her mom an early sign that she would be interested in track. Ava said that Marsha was quiet and laid back, but she was really sweet and she wasn't much of a talker. But when she did talk, it wasn't about like boys or dumb shit like that. It was about track and she just Mm. loved it so much. Wow. You see how cute she is? She's adorable. So dainty. So in her early teenage years, she joined a track club and Tammy actually was an athlete as well. So Tammy or that's what her mom liked to call her. She was kind of the opposite of Marsha, just like us, Kristen. She was bubbly, full of life, and super friendly and outgoing. She was apparently really smart, too. And she was a French immersion student. So from my little research, because I don't know what the fuck that was. Apparently, she was like learning to speak French fluently. Period. Super dope. And she was an A-plus student, okay? Her mother said that Marsha would have to study for days to get a good grade on a test, but Tammy would just fucking wing it and oh, wow. be, a, be quite all right. And from the episode I watched of Crime Beat, so that's mm-hmm. a Canadian show, they covered this case. Avis was so proud of her daughters, like, so proud. And it was, uh-huh. you, could, you could see it through the screen. She just was reminiscing, smiling, crying at the same time. You know, it was just a vibe. Wow. I love this picture of them. That's my favorite picture. She was candid about the sisters' relationship, too. She said they would argue like cats and motherfucking dogs. But at the end of the day, they were best friends. Period. Literally every, sounds like us. I will say every sister relationship is probably like that. Mm-hmm. A little tumultuous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even though they had a strong bond, both Tammy and Marsha were ready for a little time apart. <laughs> and both <laughs> girls were excited when Marsha graduated high school in 1995. Period. That's my girl. And she received, listen to this, y'all. She received an $80,000 scholarship to run track at Arkansas State University. You better go ahead, girl. And like, you know, to her family, this was a huge feat. Yes, that's a check. Okay. And a pretty big one at that. Absolutely. So her mom was just elated. Everybody that was close to her was super, super happy for her Mm -hmm. and just really supportive. So she'd be coming to the U.S. to pursue her dreams of becoming an Olympic runner. That's what she wanted to do. Just love this for her. And she had a great chance of making this dream come true because Marsha and Tammy had a cousin named Merlene Audie. And she was actually a Jamaican track runner who received nine Olympic medals. Oh, wow. That was so their cousins in the family. Oh, yeah. Deep. And they're Jamaican. So it's like, you know, Jamaicans, no shade. Y'all, can, y'all are fucking fast. It's Jamaicans and Africans. Y'all better take y'all blessing. god gave it to you so like i said marcia was so excited to get the fuck out of scarborough chat ready but there was an added bonus to marcia leaving the scarborough area okay according to avis quote 
when I would meet a colleague and I would share that Marsha had won this $80,000 American dollar scholarship to Arkansas State, Marsha would say, quote, why are you telling this to the world? End quote. And I didn't understand at the time. One day Marsha was packing. I was at her room door and I just looked in and she looked at me right eye to eye. And she said, if anything should happen to me, it's Rohan. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Who is and Rohan? Well, we're going to get to it. And her mom didn't think too much of it because like right after she said it, something happened. Her mom said either like a phone rang or something, but it was just automatically they were distracted and never really talked about it again. And this happened about two weeks before she was scheduled to leave. Mm -hmm. So scary. I really have a question. Like what kind of jokes do y'all be playing on y'all peoples? For them to think if you say something like this, oh, it's just water under the bridge. It's not something, bitch, that would keep me up at night. Like, it would constantly come back to my remembrance until I just go and be like, what was that about? I would lock you in a room until I ask every single question that I need to know. And we come up with a plan to get you out of this danger. You know, if you feel that way, if something ever happens to me, it's a person. And you tell me to my face, I don't have to guess, you call it out and you say it straight. I'm going to take that with some type of salt, more than some salt. I'm going to take that serious. And obviously we're not blaming Avis, you know, she did her best. But at the end of the day, if you guys hear this, okay, cautionary tale, please don't take these type of things lightly. If anything, inquire. Definitely. On Wednesday, August 16th, 1995, two days before Marsha was scheduled to leave for ASU, Avis would find both of her daughters dead in the basement of their own home. Kayla, no. Are you kidding me? No. No, this is horrible. This case really shattered my heart. It was, it felt too close to home. Just about to say that you took the words out of my mouth. It's too much. Yep. And you literally were born in 1995. I was girl, like a month before they were, they were killed. Just horrific. So on that Wednesday morning, Avis had left for work at around 7 a.m. and said goodbye to both girls before she left because they were still at the house. Mm -hmm. Tammy was getting ready for work at the same time, and Marsha was just getting together a few last things for her trip. So she was just chilling in bed. She didn't really have too much to do. Mm -hmm. Avis said she tried to call her daughters but could only hear a long beep on the other line. So she just assumed Marsha was on the phone and had somebody else on hold, so she just couldn't get through the line. Right. Back then, that was a problem. Right. She tried a few more times, but she had no luck. So when Avis returned to the house after work between 5.15 and 5.20, she wasn't surprised to see the front door open. Because usually, like, if they know their mom's going to be home, they would just open the door for her. Okay. But she was surprised to see the house in complete disarray. It looked like someone had broken in and tried to rob them. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And she remembers at the time she even made a little joke saying, quote, well, who would steal from us? You know, like she's a single mom. They didn't have a lot in her mind. So she thought it was kind of like comical. Right. She then headed down the stairs to the basement. And from the corner of her eye, she could see a little bit of Marsha, who was lying on the floor. I can't do this. It's it gets rough. She said she couldn't even bring herself to go all the way downstairs. So she just ran to a neighbor's house to call the police because like we suspected, you know, the phone line had been cut. Mm -hmm. The neighbor entered the home and went down into the basement. And that's where they saw Marsha and Tammy deceased. You 
have to be kidding me. And the worst thing is the getting the the parts that getting to me. Mm-hmm. The part <laughs> that it's getting to me is mm-hmm. they die together. And yeah. like the way you just express how the mom went down there and saw <sighs> a bit of her baby, I saw it all, and it yeah. made me cringe. Yeah. And you're gonna be sick to your stomach in a little bit. Oh, I already am. Well, you're gonna be worse. So I actually have a clip of Avis describing the moment she found out both Marsha and Tammy were in the basement. And I'm going to play it for you guys now. Tammy was there too. I asked the neighbor to go down to see if he could help Marsha. Give her CPR. She needs help. Something isn't right. When my neighbor returned, he said to me, there are two of them down there. And it was only after I met with um, the homicide detectives and they asked their questions. They didn't show their hand. They would say, what was Tammy wearing today? What was Marsha wearing when you saw her? What was Tammy wearing? Do you have a picture of Tammy? It was so unbelievable. So that's how I found out. And from there, my life changed totally. Wow. This Just- is crazy can you imagine like losing both of your children and then finding them like she i i could imagine myself not even being able to get into that room if i see a piece of oh lord the amount of sheer fear that would enter my body would just be ridiculous yep like the dread you know because you don't know what's happening but then again it's like i would have to go into because i'm like what if i could help what if i could save yeah so she must have felt the spirit of death she may have, or maybe she was just so scared, you know, that I, honestly, I don't know how the fuck I would react in that situation, but I'm glad she didn't have to see both of her children in that state because we're going to get to how fucking bad it was. Oh my gosh. So emergency services arrived shortly after, but it was determined that both girls were already gone. Marcia was found partially clothed, lying on her stomach and Tammy was found fully clothed, lying on her side. Marsha had been stabbed 19 times with multiple blows struck directly to her heart. Wow. Tammy was stabbed and her throat was also slit. This is too much. How violent is this is so violent, so personal. And you can tell because Tammy got the lighter sentence, even though she lost her life. Marsha got the beat down. The brood of it. Absolutely. The autopsy determined that the fatal stab wounds were to their necks and in the chest area, like we said, for uh, Marsha. And I'm just sick. Honestly, I'm sick at this point. So rest in peace to Marsha and Tammy. Rest in peace, you beautiful souls. They were so young, Kristen. Their life was beginning. I mean, living their life like it was a regular day. Never thought that this would fucking happen. And it's sad because I know, well, it's sad, but also I know that they were best friends. Yeah. So the fact that they had each other in those last final moments, I pray to God gave them some strength. A hundred percent. I'd hate for you to die alone. I'd just rather die with you. Like I just, you know, I wouldn't be able to live my life. It just, the no, we can't even talk about it. I'll cry. I, yeah yeah not in front of these i'm about to say not in front of our people girl so investigators at this time they were aware that this case was probably the highest profile murder case in toronto period they started working on this case immediately by interviewing witnesses and neighbors in the area 
and someone remembered seeing one of the girls leave the house and then come back in with a black male who was described as being around 19 years old, 5'7", and 145 pounds. Okay, let's get to it. Who is it? Right. Witnesses also remembered seeing another man standing in the walkway across the street watching the house. Oh, wow, Kayla. Fucking weird. After the two entered the house, that was the last time anyone saw Tammy or Marsha leave the house. This is getting almost paranormal. Like, you brought up that guy, he came out of nowhere. I know. Two? Like, two people? Fuck. And remember how Avis said the house looked like it had been robbed or at least, like, ransacked? Right. Well, after doing an inventory, investigators realized that the killer didn't really take anything. Except Mm -hmm. for a necklace Marsha was known to wear, and it was a gift to her. And Marsha's electronic organizer. I do not know what the fuck that is. I'm like, is that a beeper? Like, what I is that? Maybe it was like a PDA. You know, those handheld PDAs. You had a little pen. You could write down shit on it. I don't know, bitch. Okay. But either way, that was taken. And then a video of Marsha playing soccer was also taken from the house. But it wasn't realized until much later. Wow. Like, this dude is, whoever it is, mm-hmm. is concise, is planned out the beginning and the end of this, that he's right. going to miss her, so he takes something. Isn't like that gross? It's giving, it's giving sick romanticization of Martha. It's giving, like, obsession. It's giving possession. He clearly feels like he possesses her and took her belongings to continue to do that. Wow. Fucked up. So we clearly know that Marsha was the target, right? Right. And from what the police said, there were two individuals in the house when Tammy and Marsha were murdered, not just one. Okay. And who was, who were they, Kayla? Kristen, do you want to know right now? You just want me to give it to you? I just need something. I need no something. No lubrication? Well, you need to wait. Give it to me dry. Ugh. Okay. Not yet. Then and in that case, give it to me juicy. Kristen, please. <laughs> All right. So Add to the fact that they knew the crime scene was staged to look like a robbery, it made them even more certain that, okay, the girls knew their killer. Period. I mean, you could saw. I don't know if they knew what was taken, but they should have. Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw the necklace being taken, I would have assumed, mm, something's fishy here. Yeah, they knew that, but, you know, they don't want to make assumptions until they have more evidence i guess and from the evidence it was saying there's two people that were involved in the murders marcia was the main target and they tried to make it look like it was a robbery period and after speaking with avis and other people close to the girls police started paying very close attention to a 19 year old named rohan ranger let me see this mother effer this fucking wow Are you kidding me? If you don't go sit your behind down somewhere and you got the nerve to be killing two women. Yeah. It's giving black Spock. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wait a minute. (laughs) It's giving. (laughs) Yo, say ooey. (laughs) It's giving Wolverine. It's giving I'm a wolf. I transform at night when the moon comes out. (laughs) Yeah, it's just not giving. And if I saw him, well, we'll get into it. All right. Well, he, okay. So Rohan and Marsha met in seventh grade at an after school program, but didn't actually start dating until 1991 when they were in high school. Mm-hmm. According to Avis, Rohan would come over to the house all the time. Like she'd driven him home multiple times. And every time she interacted with him, he was always super sweet to her and greeted her you know like hey miss avis how are you doing Mm -hmm. 
The relationship lasted for about three years until Marsha broke it off with him in the summer of 1994. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, the year before her murder. Because you know men don't know how to take rejection. Some trash bag, small dick energy. I miss my mommy, men. (laughs) Thumb in my mouth, men. (laughs) With your titty in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm not a baby, I'm a tumor. (laughs) That's exactly what he is, bitch. Period. Wow, shout out to Hellboy that part shut out but rohan didn't really take the breakup seriously of course not what does that mean he thought he still had access to her yes he was like ha 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 you're so funny love you see you tomorrow oh no right he was fucking stalking her Kristen. red flag Mm -hmm. stalking her harassing her basically trying to just strong arm her into getting back with him which is like, did you think I was a cow that you could herd me back to you? That doesn't work. Kristen, at this point, he doesn't even have an excuse because 19, I know we're, our brains aren't fully formed, but you know right from wrong at 19. Like, you know, don't fucking take the piss. Don't play with me. Exactly. And once word got out that Marsha was leaving Toronto to live her best life, he was blinded with rage and fucking obsession and convinced himself that the only solution was to take Marsha's life. I mean, who does that? If I can't have you, nobody will. Like, that is so corny to me. I can't even give a shit about a person enough (laughs) to only want to do... I don't... I don't have the capacity. Like, I couldn't give a shit. No! It's not in (laughs) me to love that deep, y'all. No, I think that's a dangerous love. Yeah, it's a sad love. I don't want it. Is it love at all? Avis admitted that she may have been a little naive at first, but now she believed that, quote, once Marsha met Rohan, she was dead. I believe that she could not escape for whatever reason. He latched onto her. She could not escape. And in all fairness, I believe she loved him too, end quote. She probably was just like a loving person and she, like a lot of women, thought she could heal him. Yeah. You know? And we get attached to men that got a little hurt in them, but they fine. Well, this man had a little bit more than hurt because Rohan was known to carry a gun around. So <laughs> she like a thug. Okay, and a machete. That thug look, dang. We right. not in a different country. This is America. We don't walk around with machetes. I know. Well, this Red is flag. Canada. Canada. No, this is Canada, which right. I don't know what they do, so... I don't even think I've met a Canadian. Kill you. I'm gonna be dead ass. I don't even know. Do they really say A or sorry? They I do don't know. say sorry. Mm. Some of them, obviously. Shout out to Degrassi. He also was known to threaten Marsha's friends at school. That's wow. why she wanted to keep the fact that she was leaving a secret because he was fucking crazy and would go ape shit about it. And nobody is checking this little nigga. Nobody. Because they're scared of him. They should be. Wow. <sighs> What do you do with these type of people in your life? Like, let's be honest. Once you've already let them in and now you see their true colors, what do you do? I'm telling you, this is another episode where I am literally thinking about the movie Enough with Mm J-Lo trying to fight that man, her own husband, off of her. Like, she was trapped. Yep. How do you get out? You You fight. somebody. (laughs) (laughs) What about to say? Fucking poke holes in his ass until he lets you go. How about that? yeah that'll scare him away (laughs) unless you got a really crazy one then run yeah (laughs) 
Okay. So like I said, police were looking directly at Rohan's ass and confronted him about the homicides on the 18th. So two days after. Mm Mm-hmm. Rohan basically told them he had nothing to do with it and that he wasn't even near the scene at all. Fucking bullshit. Mm -hmm. And even gave them the clothes he was allegedly wearing that day. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. After running DNA and forensic tests on the clothes and the evidence from the scene, police found no forensic evidence connecting Rohan to the case. Right, but we don't even know if those were the clothes he was really he really had on. That's what I'm saying. I don't know the logistics of them figuring that out. I don't know if they had video footage of like, yes, these are the clothes that he was wearing. But it was still surprising that she was stabbed. They were stabbed so many times, and the killer didn't leave behind any of their biological DNA. Mm, you know. Okay. Well, we're gonna get to that part in a little bit. Even after putting him on 24-hour surveillance watch, they were still coming up completely empty. So after months investigating, there were no arrests made. You have got to be kidding me. Yeah. You can't just arrest people on speculation or past shitty behavior, which sucks. (laughs) And of course, this little nigga has a nerve to have some grit and not open his mouth when they're questioning him. Yeah. Yeah. He's a piece of shit for sure. So they wouldn't have any fucking really evidence to go on until January of 1996. So about five months later, when another murder happened. Uh uh-uh. uh mm-hmm. Not him continuing to kill. Well, we're going to Well, we don't know if it's him. Here it comes. Wait, hold on. Before we get into that, I want to say that there were hundreds of people at the girl's funeral. Like, mm-hmm. I have to show you guys a clip because... It just makes it even more real how much of an impact that these beautiful girls had on the community. Yeah. You know, this is so senseless. And look at all those people there, Kristen. Wow. I mean, they had a community behind them. Yep. I love it. And thank God Ava's had a community behind her because how the fuck was she supposed to go on? And the clarity that this woman has on the deaths of her two and only daughters blows my mind. Yep. She is a hero. So I mentioned another murder, but it didn't happen in January. It happened on October 23rd, 1995. Mm -hmm. 54-year-old Demetria, and he went by Jimmy, Mm -hmm. Trzeski, was working a late night shift that he'd picked up. Look how cute he is. Yeah, his whole family's adorable. He's giving Italian. They're from, well, we're going to get to it a little bit. He was a Toronto Transit Commission collector and had worked in the position for over 22 years. He was married with two children, and on that Monday night, instead of being home with his family, he decided to cover that shift for his co-worker at Victoria Park Station. Oh, hot dog it. Don't you just hate that? Like, one decision could change, change everything. everything. Unfortunately, he would be held at knife point by a fucking lunatic, and part of the attack was actually caught on camera. So okay. if you guys are on Patreon, you guys are going to see it. You know, I'll be hooking y'all up. If I got it, you go see it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We pay you. good money. <laughs> <laughs> so in the video, Jimmy was locking up actually for the night. It was around 2.30 a.m. And I guess the killer sneaks up on him and forces him back into the station with his hands behind his back. And they were actually tied behind his back. So he literally couldn't get out. Okay. The killer is trying to get Jimmy to open the money vault, but he's explaining that he only has one key and needs the other key to be able to open it. Okay. But the killer is obviously fucking impatient. An idiot. Yes, dumbass. And just decides to run out of the station, right? 
Mm-hmm. And in the episode, they told us that in the video, you can see that for one moment, Jimmy like relaxes, right? Like he looks less stressed about it, but then you can see him get really concerned again. And that's mm-hmm. because the killer runs back inside and decides to start stabbing Jimmy. You have to be kidding me. What? This is outrageous. Why would you come back? Did you say, oh, forgot something? I went to go take this man's life. What was the point? Well, investigators suspected that right when the killer was running out the first time, an alarm had gone off and the killer thought that Jimmy was the one that triggered it. So he was just like pissed off about it, ran back in and killed him. Wow. We're talking about like a 14 year old temper tantrum type of vibe. Like if you're that angry, you can't control yourself, bitch, lock you up forever. I feel like something happened to them, traumatized and yeah, they got to go either way. And can you imagine from Jimmy's perspective, him thinking like, okay, there was I supposed to do. I evaded this one. And then he's coming back. That's sheer terror. So sad. One of his coworkers found him and Jimmy was rushed to the hospital, but unfortunately did not survive. No, RIP to Jimmy. Jimmy and his wife immigrated to Toronto from Macedonia and they came here, came there with absolutely nothing. Jimmy was known to be just a super loving, appreciative guy. He was just honestly happy to be working with the TTC. He loved his job. He loved the fact that he could provide for his family. You know, he was just all around cool. Yeah, great. Well, a good guy. Good guy. He is survived by his wife, his son, and his daughter. And his daughter actually went to school with Marsha. Wow. Small fucking world. After his death, the city was pissed okay jimmy was the first on-duty ttc employee to be murdered like in toronto's history Mm -hmm. so investigators were feeling the fucking heat to solve the case quick like hurry up you have a bug a rodent infestation you need to handle it yes quickly according to one of the investigators his last name was perry he said quote there was a bus driver pulling in for his last run of the night and he heard the alarm going off and he was able to give us an immediate description of the suspect So yay, it's 2.30, 3 o'clock, whatever, a.m., but people are still out. They saw the guy. Thank God. So because everything was moving so fast, police released the suspect description almost immediately. Perry then goes on to say, quote, two members of the sexual assault squad showed up on scene, and they described the fact that they were looking for a male suspect who happened to match the description of our suspect, who was wanted for two sexual assaults okay sexual assaults where is this coming from girl left the fuck field (laughs) but we're gonna get more you know it's gonna start making more sense as we go on okay this is kayla this is juicy i know i told you it's it's a it's a crazy one so investigators also knew that the killer didn't have a car because they didn't see any other cars parked in the lot other than Mm -hmm. jimmy's so the killer most likely walked there after combing the nearby area they found a black sweatshirt that belonged to the suspect It was in some garbage at an apartment complex close by, and investigators were able to get a DNA profile from it. Period. Thank you, Jesus. So not only did that sweatshirt have blood splatter from Jimmy, but it also had the killer's DNA. So this is just, hey, there's no question about who fucking did it. This person was there. You dropped something. Mm -hmm. So now they have a composite sketch of the killer and the DNA profile. This is looking great. The case is coming together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they really just need to have something to test it against. 
Well, luckily, one of the ex-girlfriends of the killer reached out to police and said, hey, I'll provide you with a sample. So she actually provided a sample of the killer's DNA to police for them to test against what they'd already had. So it was like basically like, hey, that person looks very familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, I got something for you. Mm -hmm. let's let's just see because she had terrible experiences with this man he tried to abuse her and this wasn't the first time that this person did some fucked up shit like this so i'm going to show you go ahead and show you the composite oh that's clear as day (laughs) if you You know know that that person right you know him you know Mm -hmm. it's that person right so that's what they had to work with she gave them the dna they tested it against the sweatshirt and the rape kits and they were a match. Wow. All three were connected. Two. So the, so the same person that killed Jimmy raped those women. Wow. And I wasn't able to find out too much information about them, but shout out to those women. I hope they're fucking thriving. Thank you, Jesus, that they're alive. Right. Okay, so here is where that January 1996 date is important. On Tuesday, January 16th, Perry got a call from Ron Whitefield, who was the lead investigator on Marsha and Tammy's case. Okay. And Ron asked how Jimmy's case was going. Ron, get to the point. Kristen, we're getting there. (laughs) Basically, they're just chopping it up, you know, shooting the shit. And then Perry had a, like, moment. He's like, wait a minute. What does Rohan Ranger look like? Because Ron said, like, we have a suspect in mind. It's Rohan. We just can't fucking prove it. And he's like, you know, what, is, what does he look like? Mm-hmm. And so Ron gave him to the, the description. And then Ron was like, well, what does your suspect look like? And he said, basically the same fucking thing. Okay. This is what happens when departments talk. Work together. Yes. So long story short, Marsha had a DNA profile found under her fingernails that matched one of her killers. And once that DNA was tested against the rape kits and the sweatshirt found at Jimmy's crime scene, they all matched. Oh, my goodness. Who is this person? And this DNA profile belonged to a man named Adrian Kincaid. Who the heck (laughs) is that? I literally wrote, now you guys are probably wondering who the fuck is Adrian Kincaid? Kincaid, I think is how you say it. And then you brought him on the scene like he's a movie actor, well, something like him. a villain. Like no, like seriously, like the biggest antagonist. Yeah, is well, Adrian Key. This picture is giving him too much. I'll tell you that it's giving him mystery. Yes. <laughs> it's giving. It's giving. I was on a rom com. It's you know, giving, it's giving a headshot. It's giving Peaky Blinders. Okay. The only black person on the actual show. Oh my fucking gosh. Okay. (laughs) But F him. Absolutely. Adrian is Rohan's first cousin. Wow. So that was the other nigga. Mm -hmm. He was apparently incredibly smart, had a high IQ, and as we see, a fucking dangerous psychopath. Wow. Adrian had fled from Toronto and was now in Miami, But investigators hunted his ass down. And in February of 1996, he was arrested. Come on right back here. Come right back on home Mm -hmm. so you can handle this case. Look at him. It's giving Tory Lanez. Kayla, oh my God, you read him for filth. (laughs) It's giving Tory Lanez hairline and everything. Look, I'm still talking. 
get your running tail his mouth talk he he was in this clip he's saying they trying to frame me like bitch no one's framing you nobody trying to frame you look at you loving the limelight don't nobody care about you yeah fucking foul so he was charged with three counts of first degree murder plus numerous sexual assault and weapons charges wow you're going to jail and he's just ripping and running the streets in miami living his best life Once he was in a police interrogation room, Adrian was able to privately speak with his father. And his father was like, I need to speak to my son. Y'all are framing him. He would never do no shit like this. But once he got in that room with his damn son, it was over with. He knew who did it. When he came out of the room, he literally had a recorded confession on this little like handheld tape recorder. Uh And he gave it to the police. Dang. So he went in there like an op? Ready? I mean, if your son killed two girls, bitch, I'm putting him in handcuffs myself. I'm putting him in, on a spit guard, straight jacket. I'm wheeling him in in one of those jail chairs. But you know what? I'm going to commend that father because that's a real black man. Don't have no investigators handle nothing. Let me go up in here. Let me handle it. And he came out with a confession. Yeah, he did. Adrian had the nerve to apologize, saying, quote, I'm sorry. Sorry is a gross understatement. Trajeski's family won't be able to hug him again. I'm guilty. Let justice be served. Bye. That's the best thing he's ever said. So with this in hand, authorities are ready to announce that Rohan Ranger was wanted for murder. Mm -hmm. Yay. And he'd fled from Toronto too. Wow. He was back in Jamaica. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So I'm... Thinking they they have funds to just go. I don't know what the type of like border patrol was like back then, bitch. But it seems like you could just say, my name is John Smith and print out a fake ID and you're fine. But the good thing is they took, they went right on to Jamaica, found his ass and brought him right back. They sure did. In the same month that they arrested Adrian. So he wasn't even able to like get away with it for long. Awesome. So, yeah, they arrested him in Jamaica, extradited him back to Toronto. And when they started questioning him, he was completely fucking useless. He still tried to pretend he was innocent. And Adrian was the one that actually killed the two girls. So we have two masterminds. We have a person who is clearly almost a genius. Mm -hmm. And then we have another guy who will buckle down no matter what. When I was researching this, I was trying to figure out what the fuck did Rohan even say to Adrian to get him to be like, yeah, let's go kill these two girls. He didn't have to say much, Kayla. He's clearly out here killing other people and raping. So he didn't have to say much. And it's just so sad because there are still people around here that do shit like this all the time. (sighs) Well, sad. Yep. Even though Adrian confessed he would still be taking this to trial. So I don't know how the legal system works in Canada. I don't know if like you confess, you still have to go to trial or if you can just plead out or something like that. Right. But Adrian and Rohan went to trial. Take him to trial. Let's see what the jury will do. So based on the evidence, the prosecution or the crown is how they say it in Canada. Surmise that on the day of the murders, Rohan stood in the walkway, like the witnesses claimed, remember, watching the house while adrian went after tammy so tammy was already walking to her bus to head into work but adrian stopped her and somehow forced her back to the house where marcia was already waiting wow kayla he knew rohan knew what would hurt marcia the most yeah probably being there with her sister in a space like this 
I mean, he just wanted to take everything that was important away from her. Like, if their mom was there, he probably still would have tried some shit. Absolutely. Once Adrian and Tammy went inside, Rohan followed. According to Adrian, Rohan almost immediately started attacking Marsha with the knife. And then Tammy tried to escape while this is happening, but Adrian grabbed her, and then both Adrian and Rohan murdered Tammy together. Wow. Senseless murders. Yep. So I saw in one place that Tammy was the one that had DNA under her nails. And then in the other place I saw Marsha. But either way, both of these women were fighting for their lives. And they probably both had evidence, you know, under their nails. We hope so. I hope so. So let's start with Adrian, that fucking degenerate. He was found guilty of two counts of first degree murder and was sentenced to life with the chance of parole. With the chance? I don't fucking know. I think it's Canada. Well, let's just hope their prison system is better than ours. Okay. Adrian also appealed his conviction, but it was denied. Thanks. During Rohan's first trial in 1998, witnesses testified to seeing a man matching his description hiding in the walkway across from Marsha's home at least two days in a row before the murders. Wow, Kayla. So this was fucking planned. Plotting. Yep. Rohan was found guilty of the first degree murder of Marsha Adi and the manslaughter of Tamara. Mm. And he was sentenced to life. To be fair, I don't know if Canada has life without parole. I don't know if that's an option, but it should be. Mm. Well, did he appeal? Yes, he did. And his first appeal, he was granted a new trial. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There were some issues within like the trial judge, I guess, that led to him not having a fair trial, whatever. Mm. So he was given a new trial in 2005, and he was found guilty again. Great. The Lord is good. (laughs) He appealed his conviction again, and in 2011, it was denied. Okay, this is good. I'm liking the end of the story. No, you don't. Both Rohan Ranger and Adrian Kincaid became eligible for parole in 2021. Wait a minute. (laughs) It's not long enough. I'm not ready for them to come out. No one is, sister. No one is. But thank God they weren't released in 2021. Okay. But as recently as February 2022, 46-year-old Rohan Ranger is now a part of a 60-day residential reintegration program. This is blowing my mind. Like, Mm -hmm. I have never felt so unprepared for someone to come out. Like, I don't want him out. No one does, sister. No one with fucking brains. As early as 2018, he was having supervised outings, like in fucking public. I mean, how many years has this been for him being in prison then? He was in prison for what? He was in prison for 24 years. Yeah, 24 years. Not long enough. Something like that, bitch. I don't know the math. Definitely not long enough for committing two premeditated murders because your girlfriend didn't want you anymore. Are we having a laugh? And the way he was so vindictive about it, you don't deserve to be on 24 years. No, not at all. And he was fully an adult. It's not even like he was underage or like a minor. Right, he he was was grown. 19 years old. He's now allowed to apply for an ID. He's allowed to get the bank account, all this shit. He has to undergo a violence prevention program. And even though the court still recognizes him as a high risk, like a high risk person for partner violence, again, 
They're not too concerned about it. Basically, the only fail safe that they put in to practice for this guy is requiring him to report his new female partners to his probation officer. I mean, what the fuck is that going to do? That's not preventative. That's just saying, oh, if she dies, we know who she was fucking with last. Yeah, we know who she was killed by. Like, that's it's just lazy. And I get it. Like, if people want to enact mercy, but... 24 years for taking two beautiful women's lives. The mitigating factors be doggone because there are none. Yeah, none. I don't give a shit. Do you think he's going to grow out of this passion and and now be a better person? This man has serious, deep issues. And if you guys haven't dealt with that, you don't need to let him out. A hundred percent. And the thing that gets to me is like, well, I'll say it a little bit. So that was in February. And I haven't been able to find any updates about Rohan since he's been out. I pray he like fucked up in some small way. He's back in jail and they threw away the key, but who knows? And I feel so strongly about this because as recently as 2011, he was still claiming he wasn't even present for the murders. So there was like no accountability. There was no forgive me, right? So why the fuck does he deserve to be free? I don't understand. You don't understand. We don't understand. It's just, it's just not giving. And his mother hasn't learned a fucking thing either. Yeah, I'm talking about his mother. She claims that Adrian is the one that killed the Audi sisters and that Adrian was so jealous of Rohan that that's the reason why he even put his name in the mix. Like, Rohan had nothing to do with it. It was his hater-ass cousin that threw his name in the boot. Girl, bye. We're not trying to hear that, mama. And at the end of the day, I know you a mama, but you need to wake up. Your son's a killer. Yeah, you don't get a pass to be delusional just because you birthed another human. That's not okay. That took somebody's life. Several somebodies. Where's the empathy for Avis? You know, she lost her children. Yeah. Speaking of mothers, Avis went on to work with the Toronto Police Service because she wanted to help other people in her situation. Mm -hmm. She works with the Employee and Family Assistance Program, and she also wrote a book called It May Hurt for a While. Supporting Ooh. those in grief. Chow. I have mm-hmm. to I would love to get my hands on that book because the amount of pain that this woman has gone through and to still be a beautiful person at the end of it all. Yeah. I need to know how she did that. I don't want to read it. Because <laughs> if something like this, God forbid, happens in my life or something like that, I don't want to be the one that shows love. I don't <laughs> want to be the one that's like, I forgive you or visit them in prison, bitch. If I visit them in prison, I'm taking I'm sneaking them sneaking in a shank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Kayla's not the, the most forgiving one out of the both of us. No. <laughs> yeah, no, she's not. <laughs> so rest in peace to our beautiful soul sisters, Marsha and Tammy. Rest in peace to Jimmy. And we really hope that his family is healing as best as they can. Yes, I think this was senseless. This is very sad. And I can only hope that they, in some way, shape, or form, learn from what they've done. Yep. And if they haven't, I hope the wrath of God smites them down where they stand. (laughs) Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Let us know what you thought. I really enjoy doing a case that wasn't in America. And you guys have been requesting that we spice it up a little bit. So I plan to do so. Well, we hope we spiced it up enough. (laughs) And you already know, 
Oh, wait, before we go, if you guys enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. There should be a lot more ratings over there. I ain't going to hold you. Most of our listeners listen to us through Apple Podcasts. Oh, what y'all doing? Spread the word. It really, really helps our podcast get out to more listeners. And yeah. And we hope to see you at the True Crime Convention in Dallas, August 26th to the 28th. Be there. Kristen, it's called True Crime Podcast Festival. What did I say? Convention? <laughs> okay, hold on. Long day. And All we're right. looking forward. Hold on. I said, hold on. Oh. And we're looking forward to seeing you guys at the True Crime. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave it, bitch. Just leave it. I said, let's go. <laughs> God. All right. So before we go, be safe, protect your peace, and protect your space so we don't have to cover your case. Please, y'all, for the sake of my heart. Be safe. (laughs) Love you. Bye. You have a right to kill me. I have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me.